Good morning, welcome. It's good to be with you this morning. We're going to go into John's Gospel very shortly, but I just want to share with you some encouraging words. In the last week, uh, I've met about six members of the church in my allocated, my allotted uh, daily walks uh, within a social distancing um, uh, arrangement. Just literally um, on the off chance, met them when I'm walking. And it's been so encouraging to hear of the stories of the doorstep blessings and how already dozens of people are receiving doorstep blessings. I wonder whether you've received your doorstep blessing. I wonder whether you've passed on a doorstep blessing. Let's get that pandemic rolling so that everybody gets blessed. I've even encouraged other churches to participate in doorstep blessings. So share it, pass it on and let's get this pandemic going. This morning I've um, put on emojis on the chairs of the church just to help me uh, visualise um, a congregation, a virtual congregation. Maybe you can spot an emoji that relates to how you're feeling today. Some of them may um, appear over time, but by the end of it, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that your feeling and your emotions will be on fire because God feeds your soul today. So we're going to get into God's word. We're going to continue in the theme through John's gospel, unlocking our potential, unlocking God's power through John's gospel in our lives. So we're going to start with John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him, if the presence of God was not with them. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus said the second time, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh and the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you, plural, meaning the people of Israel, must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from, where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. Question. And you do not understand these things. Third time, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and what we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. He's referring to John the Baptist and Moses. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly 
things. No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, the Son of Man must be lifted up, giving him an insight to the mystery of his death and resurrection, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by faith, uh, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Reminds me of a true story of Little Shire, who began to ask her parents to leave her alone with the new baby. They worried that like most four-year-olds, she might want to hit or shake him, so they said no. Over time, though, since Shia wasn't showing any signs of jealousy, they changed their minds and decided to let Shia have her private conference with her baby. Elated, Shia went into the baby's room and shut the door, but it opened enough for her curious parents to peek in and listen. They saw little Shia walk quietly up to the baby brother and put her face close to his and say, baby, tell me what God feels like. I'm starting to forget. Jesus taught that to enter the kingdom of God, we must receive it like a little child. Mark chapter 10, verse 15. People lose their identity in God and spend a life, a whole lifetime, missing out on God's best for them. What is the evidence of your birth? Is it your birth certificate? But that's not evidence that you've been born as such. The evidence is that you and I are here right now that's the evidence that we were born. Everyone that's breathing air today is born. That's the evidence we need. We are here, right here, right now. What is the evidence of your identity? Is it your birth certificate? Is it your passport? Is it your national insurance number? Is it your driver's license? Is it an identity badge uh, for a place of work uh, to get entrance into? Or related to your profession? Is it your title? Where does your true identity originate? This is the account of Nicodemus 
or his curiosity being aroused to engage in a dialogue with Jesus, to approach Jesus despite what his um, colleagues and companions felt about Jesus, Nicodemus's curiosity of his um, relationship with God was aroused enough for him to go into the darkness of the night to inquire after Jesus. See, all of these certificates, all of these passports, all of these national insurance numbers, all of these driver's license are mere paper evidence to say and to prove who we say we are in terms of our name and maybe our role and responsibility or our place of birth. A passport just tells you that you are a citizen of a said country and that you can use that to travel. A driver's license just says that you have passed the test to drive and this is the person who's passed that test. But what is your true identity? What is your proof of your unique identity? What is the mark of your identity? How do you know who you really are? Where do you come from? What are you made for? What sits in the depth of your origins? Nicodemus knew he was in society and within a culture of his people, but he had yet to discover what it meant to be truly alive as a unique child of God. Nicodemus was drawn to Jesus with a deep sense of curiosity. His colleagues were of the mind that Jesus was no more than an imposter, a threat, a nobody. Nicodemus's curiosity drew him to meet Jesus in the secret place of the night. Again, like chapter one, we get a cryptic mystic dialogue about the divine connection between God and his people. It is only understood in the enlightenment of having a spiritual awakening through an intentional desire to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I remember opening a Bible up for the first time, um, making sure June could not um, see me do it or, or know anything about my curiosity about what she began to believe and what her friends kept telling me was the truth of my identity. So I secretively, in the, in the quietness and the privacy of my own time and space, started to look in the Bible and explore and to, to try to gratify my curiosity. I'm of the position more of curiosity than persuasion. Many people have tried to persuade me to believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour um, until my curiosity was really aroused, um, nothing really hit the mark. So my preferred approach to evangelism is stirring up people's curiosity awakening the, the, the little light inside them to burst into a flame, rather than try to persuade them with arguments and, um, and personal um, words of conviction, um, but just dangling carrots. Ever since I allowed myself to be open to the mystery of the hidden secrets of God's kingdom, I have sought to live in the presence of God Almighty. And this is a challenge, isn't it? This is a real challenge. Nicodemus made this point about Jesus. No one can do the signs and wonders that you do unless 
they have the presence of God. Rabbi, he says in verse 2, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Although I personally find myself desiring more of God's presence, power, peace, protection and provision, learning to live in his presence is an ongoing revelation. Henry Newman writes a lovely piece about this. To walk in the presence of the Lord means to move forward in life in such a way that all our desires, our thoughts and our actions are constantly guided by him. When we walk in the Lord's presence, everything we see, everything we hear, everything we touch and taste reminds us of him. This is what is meant by a prayerful life. It is not a life in which we say many prayers, but a life in which nothing, absolutely nothing, he says, is done, said or understood independently of him who is the origin and purpose of our existence. This is powerfully expressed by the 19th century Russian Orthodox starets or, or spiritual advisor, Theophan the Recluse. He says this, Into every duty a God-fearing heart must be put. A heart constantly permeated by the thought of God and this will be the door through which the soul will enter into an active life. The essence is to be established in the remembrance of God and to walk in his presence. That is a challenge, isn't it? Every thought, in every deed, in every act, in everything we taste and touch and see in all our senses, in all our emotions and in all our being is to think about God, is to include God. There is a friend of mine whose husband is not a Christian and he makes it very clear what he thinks about Christians. But every time we meet up, a long time ago now obviously, but every time we get together, he pulls me to one side in a very cunning and um, swift way and asks me questions. He claims to be an atheist and does not believe at all, but he always wants to question me about theology, about church history and about Christianity. And rather to try to persuade him, I try to arouse his curiosity. I believe all of our curiosity is searching for something far greater and deeper than what this world offers. Nicodemus is a highly recognised religious figure who becomes curious about the power of God seen in and through this man Jesus, the carpenter's son, somebody who's not recognised within the religious circles, somebody who's not um, uh, respected in the same way as all the other religious leaders. Nicodemus could not distinguish accurately whether this man Jesus was the promised Messiah for he did not appear in the way that he and his religious companions understood from the scriptures. Because he says in verse 3, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. What a mystery! What about being born again? What is it? What does that mean? Well, the, he, the, 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 the language here is 
being born again, being born anew, um, being born from above, having a, a, a rebirth, a reawakening. Being born from above is the same as being born anew. Having a second birth, a spiritual birth, a spiritual enlightenment, being raised anew again and again. Your soul being being recognised and getting in touch with God, your spirit being aligned with God's spirit, your desires becoming God's desires, not your own desires, not fleshly desires, not earthly desires. Interestingly, um, John's Gospel is the only Gospel, in fact the only New Testament uh, book that says very truly I tell you. And in this section, in verses 1 to 11, we get it three times. In the whole of John's Gospel, we get it 26 times. John is emphatic, Jesus is emphatic about us getting the truth into our fibre, into every ounce of our being. Very truly, verse 3, I tell you, no one, absolutely no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Having God's involvement, God's intervention and, and God's intention in everything that we're about. In verse 5, says, Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit repentance this is repentance through the waters of baptism and spirit as the um the spiritual awakening of our identity in god through jesus christ and the third time in verse 11 i very truly i tell you we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen yet you do not receive our testimony as i mentioned as it's been mentioned that this is referring to moses and john the baptist um but when jesus says to you he's he's being plural he's talking about you who don't believe you who are who, who are god's people who claim to be the people of israel jesus is talking um uh, to them all not just to nicodemus Jesus and John are insisting the readers take notice of these points. For they are extremely important for not just Israel, but all of us to understand our true identity, our true origins, what helps us come alive, what makes us live, what helps us to connect with eternity to come and the taste of eternity now. Salvation in Christ, through Christ, is not just about a means to an end. It is a means by which we live by daily. Paul reminds us to work out our salvation daily. Being raised is about learning to be a child of God, walking, growing into salvation. Jesus doesn't want any of us to forget or miss out or become lethargic with our powerful identity being raised in him as a daily occurrence, unlocking our potential, unlocking the power of God in our lives. Resurrection is often thought of just in Jesus or when we die. The beginning, there's two parts of it. There's the beginning, an initial encounter with Jesus, meeting Jesus for the first time ever. 
accepting the free gift. I wonder how many gifts haven't been unwrapped this year at Christmas. We've got a whole stack of gifts unwrapped because we've not been able to see our family. But we've also got a, a stack of presents that have not been unwrapped because the person that was unwrapping them, the child that was unwrapping them, just unwrapped them and threw them away. If you just unwrap a present and put it to one side, what good is that? Sometimes people don't unwrap the gifts of God. Sometimes people unwrap the gifts of God and just leave them to one side. What gifts has God given you that you have yet to unwrap? What gifts has God given you that you unwrapped some years ago and you're no longer using them? God has endowed us, invested in us, gifts that come from heaven. Don't underuse them. Don't underuse them. Because if you're not seeing the power of God working, it's because you're not allowing the gifts that he's given you to be used for his glory. So there's the initial beginning, the start of it. Then there's the daily, the daily um, being born again. I want to tell you this story about a young man who, um, a young lady, sorry, who came to to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and she wanted to be baptised and she said um, she was told to go to the elders and to have a conversation with them and the elders uh, sat in front of her and quizzed her about what she understood about what it means to be a Christian and so the first question they asked and they never got past that first question they asked her this question what do you understand about the Trinity the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit and the young lady uh, wasn't an intelligent lady. She wasn't an academic girl. Uh, she wasn't an educated person. But she said this, I know nothing about the, whatever that word is, uh, the Trinity or, or the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. All I know is the one in the middle saved me. The one in the middle saved me. It's about dying and rising, undoing what we've become and redoing what God has started in the first place. The, the ongoing journey of being raised on a daily basis, a daily resurrection in Jesus again and again and again. Not everyone has the privilege of being born and raised in a Christian family. If you have and you've never known a time when you've not been alive in the spirit of God praise God for you hallelujah for some they they lose their identity because it's in the shadow of their parents for some of us we never had that upbringing so some of us can put a specific period a specific time when we were enlightened with the spirit of God but even Nicodemus being born in the within the community of the people of Israel didn't get what the Old Testament was saying, didn't get the fact, the power behind his words. Genesis 1.27, so God created humankind in his image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. God makes room for all his children and has a bespoke identity, a personality, set of characteristics, a uniqueness that was given to each and every one of us since the beginning of time. There are so many passages that Nicodemus overlooked. An intelligent man, a man of the word, but he had not grasped the significance of it in Jesus Christ. 
at that time. Uh, we only get two more mentions of Nicodemus in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 50, um, where he's defending Jesus, and then later on when he's um, uh, providing the, the, the stuff to bury him. Look, look at Psalm 139 to, to connect with your identity through God's word. For it was you, Lord, who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. John chapter 1, which we had a few weeks ago, says this in verse 12, Yet all who did not receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Verse 13, children born not of natural de descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Ephesians 5, all the way through the scriptures, it continues. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That's Ephesians 1, 5. Created with perfect hands, perfect heart, perfect mind, born in an imperfect world where we lose our identity, where we have our identity stolen, where we get confused about where we are and who we are and how we got to where we are. But God, through Jesus Christ, wakes up our soul, wakes up our spirit, wakes up our true identity. The need for our renewing of our true identity requires us to die to that which is not us and to rise in who we are in Christ Jesus on a daily basis. Had Nicodemus completely misunderstood the teachings and writings of God's word? How could he? He was brought up among the people of God. Surely all those he knew couldn't be wrong. Interestingly, Jewish tradition reminds us how they were encouraged to remember and to recite God's word. I'm sure Nicodemus could have recited pretty much most of the, um, the Torah. But Deuteronomy chapter 6 reminds us, keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart first. Not try and be intellectual about it, not try to just make sure you've got a book in your hands, but in your heart Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise up. Always be in the presence of God, I believe that scripture is saying. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Where is God's word in your life? Where is God's word around you and in you that helps you stay focused on your true identity? From the earliest of times, Jews had a variety of articles which gave them a constant reminder of the law. Phylacteries were little boxes that they wore on their heads with scripture in it, with a prayer in it. And then the, um, on the doorframe of their houses, they affix a mezuzah, which is a decorative case containing the Jewish prayer. 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. I believe Nicodemus thought he had this sown until Jesus appeared and the presence of God was literally a reality on earth. As it is today, the presence of God is a living reality through those that live in the spirit of Jesus Christ. What does God's word do you? Psalm 119, 105 says this, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. God's word literally wakens us, literally causes us to wake up spiritually and see the glory of God for what it really is. Nicodemus could have probably recited all of these psalms I guess we have to ask ourselves, what was Nicodemus' desire? Because Jesus said to him in verse 7, Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you a teacher of Israel and yet you do not understand these things? We do have to question our motives, our desires. Is your desire to put God in every aspect of your life? Now, Nicodemus probably thought he had, but he realised he was missing something. So he decided to go have a private conference with Jesus. And we... We don't get a real sense of whether Nicodemus did become a follower of Jesus. It certainly made an impact and an influence on his life. For John chapter 7 verse 50 says, Nicodemus who had gone to Jesus before and who was one of them, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, asked, our Lord does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? It's a question to his own people. And they replied, surely you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and you will see that no prophet is to arise from Galilee. This is them reciting their own scriptures. And, and, and Nicodemus is defending Jesus because he discovers something, something powerfully divine in Jesus. And then the last time we get Nicodemus is John chapter 19, verse 39. He says, Nicodemus, who had at first come to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and alloys, um, not alloys in terms of alloy wheels, alloys in terms of perfume, weighing about 100 pounds. So a lot of money spent. And clearly he had been... Uh, touched and moved by Jesus, I'll leave you to work out whether he became a follower of Jesus or, or not, because that's not what I'm trying to put over to this, this morning. But the question is, what is your desire? Are you seeing God's power at work? Are you seeing signs and wonders of God um, in your life? If you're not, maybe, maybe you need to explore your desires. There are healthy desires and there are unhealthy desires. Israel clearly had an unhealthy desire, um, or certainly many of the people of Israel, because 
Nicodemus's associates were refusing and rejecting the word of God, the acceptance that Jesus was the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for and praying for. What are the desires of your heart? How do you examine those desires? Do you want to know what those desires are? Acknowledging your desires, naming our desires and declaring what they are is a huge step for people and probably the biggest step. Often, even in our churches, people's desires and motives are not always healthy. We do need to challenge ourselves and each other on our heart's desires. What do you think you need to do when you discover what your desires are? Are they healthy? So what are you going to do about it? Are they unhealthy? What are you going to do about it? Consider the right disciplines for your context. There is no point setting yourself up to fail. How do you plan to protect yourself? For by doing this, you protect others who could be affected by your unhealthy desires. And the next step would be implementing protective dis disciplines. It is so easy to slip into unhealthy habits, mentally, physically, emotionally, socially, sexually and spiritually. What are your spiritual disciplines to protect you and to keep you on the path that lights your soul? Where are you spending your free time? How are you spending your free time? I want to recommend a book for you um, at this point. Holy Habits by Andrew Roberts, a Methodist minister who um, has, uh, let me read it on the back here, is a, um, who presently serving as a discipleship specialist in the Discipleship and Ministries Learning Network. Previously, he was Fresh Expressions, director of training. He co-authored the uh, critically acclaimed Fresh, an introduction to Fresh Expressions and Pioneer Ministries. A wonderful book of holy habits, keeping yourself healthy, getting your spiritual life in order helps to navigate through all the other aspects of your life, creating a much more solid foundation for a healthy, wholesome life. The fourth step is accepting accountability. God brings the right people into our lives at the right time for the right reasons. We all need a rabbi, a mentor, an accompanier who is not with us to change us, but with us to offer direction and a selection of tools. And by accepting accountability, we accept responsibility for life transforming journey, spiritual life transforming journey. Shifting from a stolen or mistaken or confused identity to our original birthright is a journey to undo and redo who we really are, who we really are in God through Jesus Christ. I know I'm personally not fully there yet, but I know I am often, more often on the right path than the wrong path. I want to encourage you in the ABCD, which I've sort of outlined in those four points, acknowledging and accepting you have an issue of unhealthy desires. Thinking negatively is not healthy. Thinking negatively about a brother or a sister or about your church is not healthy. 
Thinking negatively about anyone is not healthy. Seeking God and acknowledging that you need to change your perspective is healthy. Helping God put you right is healthy. Believe in yourself. Believe because of God you can overcome unhealthy desires. God believes in you. Whether you have got an unhealthy desire on on sexuality or sex, pornography or or addictions to drugs or drink, gambling, um, smoking or anything that's not good for you, God believes in you. God knows you can overcome this. And all he's doing is saying, look, you just need more of my spirit. The power of my spirit will equip you to overcome that which is not healthy for you. Confessing to God and maybe a very trusted brother or sister in Christ. We must be very shrewd on that. And then the D, disciplines. To be discipled is to live a life of disciplines that will act as tools and methods for walking through the right paths for God's glory. The Holy Spirit is the true mark of our identity. How do you know whether you've got the Holy Spirit? Well, one of them is love. Love of God, living in the love of God, loving others, loving others in a way that helps people know that they are loved by you, regardless of the situations that they may find themselves in. Living for God's glory, walking a prayerful life, being in constant conversation with God, being constantly aware of his presence and word for us, being constantly listening to his voice. Ephesians 1 says, verse 13, In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts and minds literally takes us on a 360 degree journey. It's an ongoing process and we need renewing and refreshing and reviving on it. But God is constantly releasing the power of his Holy Spirit Spirit in us in hope that we will let it be unlocked in our lives. Verse 17 of chapter 1 of Ephesians says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that the eyes of your heart enlighten you you may know what is the hope he has called you what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the work of his great power how to check whether the Holy Spirit is being unlocked in you. Do you love to be drawn closer to God in everything, in every matter, your finances, your sex life, your singleness, your um, work life, your um, parenting uh, or your, um, as a child uh, um, to your parents, as a friend, as a neighbour, as a colleague, in every aspect of your life? Do you seek to draw closer to God? That's one way of checking. What is your love for others like? Can you 
can you with all integrity say, I do love people, I love all people. I may not get on with everyone and not everyone may love me, but I can't help loving people. Do you have a desire for unity among all followers? Unity among followers, check number three. Check number four, building personal identity through God's word and spirit. Is God's word a central part of your life, an essential part of your life? Check number five, commitment to listen, hear and act through prayer. Check number six, desire to pass on godly blessings. And check number seven, to live for God's glory, to love one another and to make Jesus known. I wonder whether you've heard that one before. I'll leave you to work that out. So John links this dialogue between Nicodemus and Jesus with the ultimate point of the Old Testament, which, uh, what the Old Testament was pointing towards, which is verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Those that believe in him. So unless we come to Jesus for a spiritual awakening, we remain in the dark. I wonder whether Nicodemus remained in the dark. I wonder whether he was awakened. He certainly was influenced and it impacted his life. I leave you with these uh, three verses to remind you of the importance that this passage is trying to get over to each and every one of us. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water. Verse 11, Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. How are you doing with your desires? What are your motives? Are they unhealthy? Do you need to go through the ABC, acknowledge, believe, confess and be discipled, be disciplined? Disciplined in God, lovingly and compassionately. Are you not seeing the signs and wonders of God's miraculous glory at work in you, through you, around you? Is it because you are holding back the gifts that he's already given you? Have you not unlocked those gifts? Have you lost your identity? Has it been stolen? Have you given it over to something else? Is it time to return to Jesus Maybe you need to come into that secret place and have a private conference with Jesus right here, right now. Jesus is waiting to unlock God's potential in you, your potential that he planted in you from the beginning of time. He wants you to renew your badge of identity, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now is the time, as is any time, 
Don't let this time pass you by. Come and meet the living Jesus and be awakened in your spirit and in your soul. Let us pray. Father God, I just want to encourage people just to pause in a silence. Whatever they're doing, whether they're standing, doing the ironing, whether they're making a sandwich, whether they're getting a drink, whether they're trying to manage the children, if they can, just pause for a moment, close their eyes for a split second and say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Jesus, I want to draw closer to you. If you're able to sit for a little bit longer, then just come with me as we open our hearts, our souls, our minds, our spirits to reconnect with Jesus in a real, relevant, radical, refreshing way. We're here to live for God's glory, to love one another and to make Jesus known. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, help us, help me to unlock, to unwrap those gifts that you have given me, to use them in my daily life, to be a blessing for you and to your people. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory be to you. Amen.